Welcome back to I'd Rather Be at the Beach, brought to you by me. I'm Simon and I run the Bonjour Agency. If you work in an independent school, then this is the podcast for you, where we don't talk about work, but we do talk to people who work in the independent school sector. Now, today I'm with a head teacher. Alison Melrose is the head at Cameron Vale in London. It's a prep school, it's in the centre of London, and we talk about city life versus country life. But we also talk about what Alison does when she's not in school. We talk about Strictly Heads, an event that was happening a few months ago that sounds like it was oodles of fun. We talk about being a busy parent and many other things in between. Now, Alison is lovely, and if you know her, then you'll know that she's very well connected in the independent school sector. So let's not fluff about. Instead, come with me now as we speak to the delightful, the respectable, the admirable. It's Alison Melrose. Alison, welcome to this episode of I'd Rather Be at the Beach. Good to talk to you today. How are you? I'm really well, thanks, Simon. And it's lovely to be here with you. And actually, the sun has finally come out after the torrential rain we've had here in London today. Busy days in London, uh, rainy days in London, but here we are at just gone five o'clock. So I appreciate you being here. In fact, you mentioned to me that you got staff netball at 5.30. Tell me what happens there at staff netball. Absolutely. So as part of our sort of ongoing staff well-being, we've managed to book a netball court just down the road. So each Monday evening, anyone that's free and wants to come along puts on the trainers and we will go and play. Now, some of us have not played netball in over 30 years. And then, <laughs> um, so some weeks it's netball, some weeks it might be a bit of sort of touch rugby, or it might be a bit of, you know, fitness training, whatever people fancy, really. It's just to get everybody out of the building, up and active, um, and a nice way just to integrate with you know, the team in a non-school environment. And in fact, we used the court of another local school, a local primary school around the corner, and they thought this was such a great idea. They asked if some of their staff could come and join in too. So that's great for networking in the local area. I, I guess when that sort of thing happens, you get different members of staff who are interested in something like netball. They might not naturally talk to each other in their day-to-day work, but because they're both interested in netball, they end up sort of communicating with each other on a different level. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, last week was was hilarious, really. There were six of us that went. There were three who were sort of my height. Now, I know nobody can see me, but I'm only five foot two. And then there were three members of staff who, shall we say, are closer to six foot. So it was the, the littlies and the tallies who could more or less Excellent. just pop the ball into the net, <laughs> which was... <laughs> While the rest of us were frantically leaping up and down. But exactly, you've got teachers who are, you've got learning support assistants, classroom teachers, admin staff, senior leaders, everybody just piling in together. Sounds perfect, really does. Now, we're not here to talk about work, but nevertheless, just for the sake of context, tell me in a nutshell about your school, what sort of size it is, how many children... Oh, well, that's, that's the same thing really, isn't it? But what sort of age children you have in your school as well? So at the moment, I work at Cameron Vale School in London, which also includes the Chelsea Nursery. So we have children from six months, so teeny tiny babies who wow. are just learning to crawl, yeah. all the way up to year six. Um, we're based in a London townhouse just around the corner from the King's Road in a very lovely part of Chelsea, very leafy, quite green, um, lots of stairs, keeps us fit up and down. Um, so we have children who come in at the beginning and stay through nursery and then we'll come through the school until they go off to senior school at the age of 11. And then typically when they leave your school, where do they where do they tend to go on, on to? 
So the majority will go on to London day schools and it could be, I mean, we're, we're so lucky we're spoiled for choice in this area. Um, it could be places like Francis Holland down the road, City of London, St. Paul's, Westminster. Um, you might also have those who go on to prep schools that offer education up to 13 and then they'll go on to public school after that. And then you might get one or two who would go on to boarding school at 11 as well, depending on their sort of personal circumstances. And from memory, you were the head of a different school in London beforehand. Are you sort of, you know, a diehard Londoner in that case? Well, I moved around the country a lot as a child and I eventually ended up in London at the age of 11. Um, and that was the fourth place I'd lived by the age of 11. Oh, okay. And I went to school in northwest London. I went to one of the big girls schools, um, which is always sort of quite well featured in the league tables. Mm -hmm. And... I've sort of stayed ever since. Now, my mother took me into London quite regularly. And rather than take the tube, we would walk. And I learned my way around London at quite a young age. I learned to drive in London. I went up to Durham for university, uh, trained and qualified to become a teacher, and then came back to London. I've been here ever since. So I, I do feel of myself as a bit of a townie. Um, my parents also moved abroad and lived in France for sort of 30 years. And my husband is not originally British. And he comes from the other side of the world. He comes from South Africa. So our home in London is very much our home. That is our family home. Well, I'm glad to hear your parents went to France because I'm coming to you from Paris right now. So there we are. We got London and Paris. Um, tell me what it is about London that you enjoy. I I'm guessing that you still enjoy living there in that case. I love living in London. In fact, I cycle to work. I mean, it's three kilometres. I jump on my bike each morning and rain or shine. And although it's a big city, it's more like a village. It's lots of little villages joined together. And in this part of London, you know, where I live, I've got Battersea Park on one side, Clapham Common on another, Wandsworth Common on another. I can, you know, I can walk. I don't want to have to get in my car to drive to go and pick something up. Um, I love the fact that we can walk or cycle. We can be outside. And it doesn't feel like a big city. It really doesn't. But do you ever feel the need to, or the, the desire at least, to go and spend a few years living in a small village in you know, in, in a faraway county or sorry, it makes it sound like it's, um, you know, the Hobbit land or something like that. Clearly it's not. But do, do you ever feel the need to be living outside of London or are you, do, do you think you'll carry on living in London sort of forever more now? Forever more. And actually would probably move further in than out. Gosh. I mean, it, going out at the weekends is lovely, but I do feel that sometimes when we come back in on a Sunday night and you're heading in on the M4 and you're coming in through town, you're like, oh, pavements yes I'm finally home as you cross the river again it's <laughs> I, I definitely won't be moving further out definitely not wow okay that's awesome to hear that really is let's go back in time a little bit tell me how you got into education in the first place so as I mentioned I went to one of London's big girl schools and when it came to choosing what you're going to do next what are you going to do to university I really wasn't very sure but my mother had been a teacher and my grandmother had been a teacher and I decided I would go to Durham where they had quite an interesting course, which was a combined honours degree and teaching qualification at the same time over four years, which sadly they discontinued and, and they don't do anymore. So I went off to do that and I did a BA degree in geography. And then the, sec the last two years, we did nine to five in the education department. Uh, we did huge chunks of teaching practice 
either in the university holidays or then during term time. And it was a really great course. I have to say, really great course. You felt properly prepared. You had plenty of experience to then confidently go into a classroom. Um, and I was fortunate enough to be offered a job back here in London before I graduated. So I had a job to go to and I spent four years working at Norland Place on Holland Park Avenue. And after that, I then moved south of the river and I worked for Brimwood Hall and Northcote Lodge for, I think, about 16 or 17 years in total oh, wow. mm -hmm. in a variety of different roles. Mm -hmm. So I started as a classroom teacher. I then became a head teacher of one of their schools aged 28 um, mm -hmm. for the next eight years. Gosh, that's very young to be a head teacher, isn't it? It was very young. I worked very hard. <laughs> and then by this point, I think my second son had been born and I ended up taking a position across the group. So I started overseeing marketing, admissions, communications across the four different schools within the group, and then eventually became the operations director across that group. Now, at one point in that journey, I was thinking, hmm, my youngest son has got another nine years until he maybe comes out the other end of this school. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, actually, I think probably it's time for a change. So it was a very big decision. And I thought, right, I am going to make a change. And I then went from there to working for Cognita, which is a large global schools group. And I worked for their central European marketing director. And I worked across lots of different London schools. And what was brilliant was because I had a background in teaching and leadership, but also a really good understanding about marketing and admissions. The schools were more open to me going in to speak with them than perhaps a sort of purebred marketeer because I understand the challenges of the day-to-day -day running of a school, that you can't suddenly drop everything and, and do this, that, and the other. And, you know, you might plan this to-do list, but then somebody's thrown up on your foot. You, you know, these things happen when you work in a, a busy school. And through working with Cognita, I was then asked to go and found Prince's Gardens. And as part of that journey, I ended up leading St. Nicholas Prep, which was one of their schools through COVID. And at the same time as running St. Nicholas Prep, I was also setting up Prince's Gardens in the background, which was a building site around the corner and all of the challenges that that held. So we launched Prince's Gardens. Um, and then at the end of that, I did five years really working with Cognita and launching that project. And then time for a a, a change again. Um, so this time last year, actually, I had just come back from Morocco, where I had been up Mount Tukal, which is one of the highest peaks in the Atlas Mountains, with a, an old girlfriend, and um, came back down. And I was talking to John Forsyth, who owns Forfar Group on and off. We'd, we'd met previously. And um, I then came and joined the team here at Cameron Vale in January. Wow. So it's interesting hearing you talk about that marketing background, because I, I can almost feel the cheers and celebrations of marketing people that are li listening to this right now, knowing that there is a head teacher who's got a background in marketing who, who fully understands it. Although I'm saying that, I, I, I think it's fair to say that most head teachers do understand it. Possibly not all other teaching members of staff fully understand the, the need and importance for marketing in an independent school. But, but certainly most head teachers seem to be fully on board with the concept of, of needing to have an element of marketing for the school. Absolutely. I mean, how are people going to know about your school if it's, you know, if it's hidden and there's nothing to see? Now, nobody likes a school that is so overly 
self-publicizing that you can't get away from it. It's got to be genuine. It's got to be true. It's got to be a true reflection of the school's values, aims and ethos. You know, you, you often see those amazing open day posters which have got science experiments with fire. But when you actually speak to the children, how often do they ever do an experiment? Mm. Only on an open day. Yeah. So actually, it's, it's got to be genuine and true. Otherwise, it's not genuine. You know, that you're not getting, you know, where's the run seal factor? Where does it, you know, you are what you'll say on the tin that you do. That's what's really important. Yeah, I guess authenticity will shine through eventually in, in every situation, won't it? Now, I remember seeing on social media last year, you were, you, you were promoting something called Strictly Heads with a couple of other people in the independent school sector. Tell me a bit about what that was. Well, that was an experience and a half, I can tell you. For once putting it another way. So the fabulous Faith Haggerty, who is the head at Morehouse, um, which is not far from here. It's a girls' senior school. She um, had this bright idea that she would bring together a group of London heads to raise money for a charity called I Can Dance. And she had sponsorship and support from a huge range of different suppliers. And I thought, right, I'm going to support Faith. This is so out of my comfort zone. I really am not sure what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. But the idea was that we were all given five dance lessons and we were going to put on a Strictly Calm dancing style show at the Westminster Park Plaza the oh, following wow. June. Gosh. So I thought, oh, heavens, who am I going to dance with? I need a chap. Mm -hmm. So I, I called up my, uh, what I used to call my, my work husband, um, who was a chap called James Stenning, who's now the head at um, IZN Zurich. Um, a cognitive school who was previously the head of the prep school at Northbridge House. Mm -hmm. And he and I knew each other through working at Cognita. Um, we used to end up at the same senior school events every September for all the senior schools where you get invited to some sort of drinks party. I'm like, oh, hello, how are you? You know, And I would see him off more often in one week than I would see my own husband at home. So he was my, my work husband. And um, bizarrely, he agreed and he said, yeah, all right. So we had our dance lessons and then occasionally we would sort of try and meet up at one school or the other for a bit of extra sneaky practice. We had to find ourselves some outfits. So eBay came up trumps with sparkles and sequins. Very good. And we ended up learning how to do a cross between a foxtrot and an Argentine tango to a song by Avicii and went out and performed it publicly with lots of the children from our schools all dressed up with paddles cheering us on uh, one Sunday evening in June. Wow, gosh. And, and dancing to Avicii, that sounds awesome. That really does. So tell me, though, did you go from a standing start or did you already have any kind of dance experience? I did a lot of dancing when I was younger. So I studied ballet as a child and I, like, I do like to keep fit and active. And it inspired me to keep going. So, in fact, this last year, I have been going back to ballet lessons at the Royal Academy, um, especially since they opened some new studios down in Battersea. So it's relatively easy for me to get to on a Monday evening uh, with the most brilliant teacher called Josh Tuafua, who um, went through the ballet school programme. James, I would say less so. Bit likes running, runs very fast and speedily and rides his bike. Less so on a dance background, I say, but we got there. You <laughs> okay. know, we, we practiced, we got there in the end. 
Um, and it was a, g- a great experience. But it was only open to heads to participate. Is that right? It was mostly heads from London schools. And it, that's why it was um, it was called um, Strictly Heads. Okay. All right. Awesome. Now, I was going to ask you what you tend to get up to when you're not at school, but you've already given me a bit of an insight when you mentioned ballet, which is amazing to go back to ballet. Tell me what it's like going back to that, having not done it for, well, however long you hadn't done it for. Oh, a long, 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 long (laughs) time. Do you know, I loved it. I Mm -hmm. absolutely loved it. And I think if you did ballet as a child, you remember about the posture and the standing still and the breathing and the looking. And actually, it all came back remarkably quickly but you know I, I do try and take regular exercise we will go and do park run on a Saturday morning and you know various other things as well as sort of chasing around after my own family. And what else do you get up to then when you're when, when you're not keeping fit? Well I've got two boys who are 12 and 14 and they are both at boarding schools one's at a boarding prep and one's at a state boarding school so as much as I'm very much a townie on a Saturday, we will often be out of town to go and see them. So one of them very conveniently has kickoff on a Saturday morning at 10. So we'll whiz down to go and watch whatever rugby match he's in, then go and find some lunch nearby. And then the other one has lessons in the morning and has kickoff at half past two. So we'll go and watch him play sport and then stay for the match tea. And then either they'll come home or they'll stay at school. So we've had a sort of full day out in the countryside and fresh air. And then we drive back to London to get back to the city. Oh, so there we are. So that kind of harks back to talking about being out of the being out of the city, having a good balance between both. But my next question then is to do with the 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 fact that during the week then you're at work in a school, and at weekend it seems like you're involved in in children life, but in different schools. How do you get a break from school life in that case? I, I don't think you do. If you work in a school and you have children, I don't think there's any getting away from it. It just sort of follows you around. We have three different half terms between us this October. So it's just a question of juggling and whose newsletter have I read? Have I signed some permission form? Has it walked out of the house without a name on? Mm. So, you know, it's just a question of juggling a lot. And how do you manage to do that? Because there is there is a lot to think about. I mean, both both between you and your husband and two children. And I'm, I'm not sure what your husband does, but the pair of you, uh, I presume, are, are busy with your work. You're busy as parents. How do you keep track of everything? Well, you know, I you know, give a job to a busy person, as they say. I think you you just have to be. When you work in schools, you have to be good at prioritising or making lists. I love a list, personally. Everyone who knows me knows that I like a list. And the sense of achievement that you get when you tick something off your lift, list, which makes you feel good. So it's just about a question of being organised. And I will prioritise them at the weekend to make sure that they have everything they need. I mean, we had a very amusing text message from one yesterday uh, one 12 year old who said oh I've just lost my glasses in the sea <laughs> and I didn't take any contact lenses with me either oh no oh no so you can imagine the sort of like steam coming <laughs> yeah, out of exactly. my ears at this point so I'm quite glad that, that this had all been communicated to daddy and not me right anyway so there I was emailing away to the opticians last night going 
please can I reorder this pair of glasses? And he's at boarding school, so he can't come during the week. And can they be ready at the weekend for me to come and collect? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's just a question of, you know, busy lives, juggling. It'll all work out in the end. Now, I was going to ask you what the last good book was that you read. I don't know whether or not you've even got time for reading, though. I do love to read a book, but it does tend to be when I'm away on holiday. And in fact, we went to Portugal for a couple of weeks this summer, which was brilliant. Um, my husband and I trawled around some of the local charity shops to buy some cheap books because I thought, right, I much prefer to read a book that's paper. I don't like to read a book on a Kindle or a tablet. And I want to feel the, the pages yeah. turn in my hands. And I thought, actually, if I take them all there, I don't want to bring them all back again. And most places where you stay, there's somewhere there's a book library that you can do a swap. So off I went. I read every single book, um, left them all there, came back with a few different ones. Um, and it was brilliant. But but during term time, I have very little time to read. I have a book by my bed, which is The Five Dysfunctions of a Team, which is more of a sort of work-themed book. More to dip in and out of, shall we say, than okay. a, than a mm -hmm. page turner. Mm -hmm. um, and actually, there is another new book by the side of my bed, which is by Trini Woodall, who's just released a book called Fearless. And I, on the back of her new podcast, I was listening to. So obviously, she's had a career in fashion, and she's now got her Trini makeup brand and supporting women. But her podcast is about helping people to, you know, what has caused them to have fear in their lives and how have they managed to overcome it. And it's been really interesting. She's been talking to some, you know, really interesting people. Um, I just listened at the weekend to the one with Jo Malone, who set up obviously her perfume company and has this amazing sense of smell. Um, and it was so interesting to hear her talk about how she had battled with cancer and her journey and then how she then sold her company to Estee Lauder. And it was just also challenging and difficult. But actually, she's come out of it and she's now well, um, although she'd only been given sort of six to nine months to live. She's she's managed to overcome um, breast cancer. She started a new company. And in fact, she's now living in Dubai. And she's really trying to make the most of every minute that she has. Big shout out to her and shout out to that podcast as well. And it's super for her to have someone like Joe Malone on her podcast. But here we are. We've got Alison Melrose on, on our podcast right here. And, and I couldn't be happier. Alison, I'm looking at the time. My laptop tells me it's 5.30, which means I'm going to let you go because then you can get to staff netball. Uh, but I just want to say thank you so much for being here. It's been really good talking to you. And thank you for opening up and talking to all the people listening to this today. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Simon. It's been so lovely to be able to join you and hope to catch up again soon. So that was Alison Melrose coming to us from Cameron Vale School and currently off to play staff netball. I think that's a great thing to do. Alison, thank you for being on this episode of the podcast. It was a real pleasure to talk to you today. Now, if you'd like to be a guest on a future episode, then do please drop me a message. I'm Simon at thebonjouragency.com. We make podcasts for school marketing to help connect you with your school community to drive up new inquiries from prospective parents. To find out more, check out the website. It's www.thebonjouragency.com or you can give me a call. It's 020-7858-2246. That comes through to me directly. But in the meantime, thank you for listening to this one. The next episode is coming out soon. So click that option to follow or subscribe and it just means you won't miss out. We'll see you next time. Bye for now.